Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here with you on a Friday afternoon, which can only be one thing, DVR. That is that we are talking Week 9, Main Slate DFS. A lot of topsy-turviness on this DF slate with the quarterback changes that we've got in front of us this week. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Glad it is the weekend. And uh, this is a fun slate because there are some unique builds. I think we had a little stretch a few weeks ago where... Uh, because backup running backs were underpriced and pretty good like high volume situations there was to me a, a clearer sort of path that you should follow especially for cash game builds and I would say that's not necessarily as true this week because of so many backup quarterbacks being in play and our trust level on them being quite a bit more variable than it is with uh, running backs getting the same kind of opportunity. I think Jordan Love is in play. I think Terod Taylor coming back from injury is in play. I don't think Trevor Simeon is in play, but that changes maybe the way you look at someone like Alvin Kamara. There's just a lot of quarterback changes that we have going on this week that are going to be felt across the DFS world. And we also, DVR, don't have a ton of uh, high totals on the main slate. The highest total that is out there is Chargers and Eagles at 50. Then we're looking at Broncos Cowboys at 49 and a half. How healthy is Dak? How healthy is CD Lamb? Vikings and Ravens at 49 and a half. Bills and Jaguars at 48 and a half. And then Packers and Chiefs still at 48, even without Aaron Rodgers. Like, if there's one game among that group, DVR, that I really want to go after, for me, it's probably Vikings-Ravens, and even that is not one that I'm totally married to, and that just isn't something we typically see when we look at the five highest totals on the board. Yeah, I'm a little tempted by Chargers-Eagles. I, I really don't know what to make of the Eagles. I think on one of our pods last week, I suggested maybe the Lions would get their first win of the season against the Eagles, and the Eagles actually showed up and, and blew them out, which was kind of like, all right, hey, maybe... Maybe the Eagles can focus and get it done against below average or really bad teams, and maybe they can actually hold their own against middle-of-the-pack teams, which increasingly the Chargers look like one of those. But the way that game is projected, it's supposed to be close. Both teams at least have a mid-range implied total, so I could see that one maybe ticking above the expected numbers and, and maybe getting like a 31-27 sort of game if things break right, right? If you avoid turnovers, get a couple of quick early scores, Maybe just maybe that game shoots out the way we'd like a game to shoot out. My concern with that game is that I'm not sure that you know the I mean the the Chargers have a good pass defense right I mean it is a good pass defense it's a defense that's been run on with a lot of success this season and even we what we saw from Boston Scott Jordan Howard and company last week. I don't know how the Eagles take full advantage of that. I don't think they can take advantage to it to the extent that we saw the Ravens a couple of weeks ago or the Patriots last week. And so I think some of the overall weaknesses of the Chargers defense are being overstated as they play out against the Eagles offense. That's where I get concerned about that game shooting out. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that one play down a little bit. That's why I like. 
I keep coming back to Vikings and Ravens is the one that I really trust because I trust all the principles in that game. We typically, in the Kirk Cousins in Minnesota era, we haven't really seen back-to-back clunkers from them very often. There's going to be a clunker every now and again. That's the nature of the game when you've got Kirk Cousins. But more often than not, there's also a rebound coming there. He's an efficient quarterback. He's an accurate quarterback. He's got two great receivers and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. They know what they want to do in Dalvin Cook. They know that they can do it more often than not. I just trust them on their side, and then I trust Lamar and company to do what they do on their side of the ball, especially with Marquise Brown finding a level of consistency this year. Mark Andrews still being that guy. Rashad Bateman starting to develop into something of a consistent performer for them. I just think that those are two bankable offenses, and so that's why I want to find a way to trust a handful of players in that game. You're also talking about pretty expensive players outside of Rashad Bateman. Mm-hmm. Every other guy who I named is not going to be an easy guy to get into your lineup, or you can't really get a couple, most of those guys into your lineup. But I want to find a way to get invested in that game because it's the one I trust the most to play into the 50s. Yeah, the prices probably keep you more in the secondary stack where you get one player from each side. And I think the way the, the value opens up at quarterback, if you're going to play a cheap quarterback, there's still some good lower-end tight ends price-wise that you can play. There's some mid-range receivers in the 5K range. It gives you a path to get two high 7,000 running backs. I mean, you can have Austin Eckler at 7,900. You can probably get Dalvin Cook in at 7,700 this week and still come up with a balanced enough roster to feel really good about it. My question for you is, as someone who likes that Vikings-Ravens game, are you comfortable enough with the game script and the way Delvin Cook is typically used. I mean, he's involved. If they fall behind, they'll still throw him some passes. Do you feel like he's kind of game script proof within this matchup? And do you like the idea of jamming in both of those expensive running backs this week, given how the rest of the slate comes together? I do, and I do feel totally comfortable with Dalvin Cook. I think he's another one of those guys who we talk about as being really game script independent. The Vikings haven't really shown us any appetite at all over the last couple of years to back off of Dalvin Cook. It's just something they haven't done. And then, you know, even just last week, and he comes off the injury, and right away they're giving him 18 carries and two targets. I mean, there's just that guy's going to get 20 plus opportunities to make plays every single game that the Vikings play, and it really doesn't matter how the game goes. So I do feel fine with that. I can experiment with going Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler. Obviously, then you're going to have to find some savings elsewhere. And so I think that leads us to a natural question, DVR. To love or not to love? Can you go with Jordan Love in this spot this week? It's something you have to think about. Whether you want to, whether you don't want to, whether you want to dismiss it out of hand, I don't think you can. You at least have to think about Jordan Love at $4,400. Yeah, I mean, even if you're accounting for all the things that you really believe the Packers will do or should do without Aaron Rodgers. I would assume a much more ground-heavy attack. I would assume a, a very slow pace offensively. You want to keep Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City offense off the field anyway. Even with that, 4400 is very cheap for any quarterback in a game where a team is expected to put 20 points on the board. And if you start talking yourself into how they might do it, Jordan Love probably gets you 16 plus points this week. Dollar for point, that actually checks out and makes sense. So the question for me is, do I trust that enough to play him in cash games? Or is he still more of a tournament build sort of guy? Because if the bottom falls out and he does get you 12, you're in a terrible spot in cash. You can't take a 12 from your quarterback in a cash game and stay above the cash line very easily. Uh, I do feel like because of the savings you're getting and getting those two elite running backs this week, that is enough of an edge to consider it. 
I think the other question I'm wrestling with with Jordan Love is, yeah, you save a bunch of money on him. Do you automatically pair him with Devontae Adams, or do you think that Adams ends up being overpriced because without Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams isn't quite Devontae Adams anymore, right? And Jordan Love might spread the ball around. He might check it down a lot. He might dump a lot of passes off to his running backs. He might lean more heavily on a guy like Randall Cobb out of the slot, right? There, there might be a, a receiver that runs with the second team a lot that he has some chemistry with. Like All of those things are always a concern when you're talking about a, a backup quarterback getting an opportunity like this. Um, so all that's a long way of saying like he's, he's in play for me. I've got him in my cash game lineup for the pentathlon right now. I'm nervous about it, um, and I don't have him paired with Adams. That's the way I've got it set up right now. It's just Jordan Love. There's no other Green Bay exposure in that build right now, and we've got uh, about 48 hours for me to flip-flop on that and wrestle with that and and possibly screw it up, but um, I felt like there was enough value that you could capture elsewhere to justify going cheap with Jordan Love. You don't have to do it. It's not an obvious no-brainer. You're a clown, you know, hurting yourself by not playing him, <laughs> but I think it's it's in the range of things you can do in that build. Can I tempt you at all with Terod Taylor coming back for Houston this week? $5,000 is the price tag on him. Brandon Cooks, a good go-to receiver and like he was good DVR before he got hurt, had a great game week one against the Jaguars, had a very strong half against the Browns in week two. They put up 51 points in those three halves of football that he played before the injury. He was throwing for nine and a half yards per attempt, three touchdowns, no interceptions. We know he can run it a little like he's not a bad quarterback at $5,000 and there's no way to prove this, but I would be willing to bet that if he were healthy all season, we'd be talking about him more in the high 5,000s, and I think we'd be talking about the Texans as something like a three-win team right now. Yeah, I mean, I think if Tyrod Taylor had been healthy and had been playing well enough to hold the job to this point in the season, there's no reason why he wouldn't be priced at least up to where like Daniel Jones is. Daniel Jones is 5,600, sure. Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. is 5,700. He'd be in that range. High 5,000s absolutely makes sense. So you're getting some savings. He's only $600 more than Jordan Love. And I guess the thing that would make me inclined to be comfortable with Taylor in a situation where I've already thought about love is that I do have Brandon Cooks in that same lineup. I think Brandon Cooks at 6,100 is a little bit underpriced as well because I think with consistency, with the guy that he has that rapport with, Brandon Cooks kind of gets back into that 15-plus point range pretty easily. I think we've talked about this throughout the season. Houston in a situation like this against the Dolphins, like they could shoot out. like That that could be a surprisingly high-scoring game. Like that, That has all the makings of just being a weird and kind of fun game between two mm-hmm. bad teams. And I think we have some consolidation on the other side too. It doesn't look like Devonte Parker is going to play this week. So you yep. could pair cooks with Jalen Waddle and just have a, a secondary stack from that game, regardless of how you feel about Tyrod. But I think if you're thinking about Jordan love, you're probably thinking about Tyrod Taylor too, for similar reasons. And you've at least got more of a track record there to lean back on. Let me go to a game among those five high-scoring ones or five high-total ones that I actually don't like at all, DVR. It's Cowboys and Broncos. I usually like start out in a default position of wanting to find a Cowboy in my lineup or at least being like, all right, what does a team with CD look like? What does a team with Amari look like? What does a Dak-led team look like? And just at least playing those combinations. And it doesn't always work out, but I at least want to consider the Cowboys because of Dak Prescott and how good that offense is. This week... That total sitting at 49 and a half, I don't like it at all. This is something I've talked about on multiple episodes of Best on the Board this week. I think that's an underplay. You've got Dak, probably, 
you know, not even probably, certainly not back at 100%, even though he's going to play. CeeDee Lamb twisted his ankle on Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday. As you and I are recording this on Friday, we don't yet have a practice report from the Cowboys. But even if CeeDee plays probably less than 100%, he's probably going to have a questionable tag going into the weekend. Amari Cooper hasn't been healthy since at some point last season, hasn't been fully healthy. He plays through it. He's still awesome. We see that, but he's not fully healthy. Denver's a team that, just by nature, is going to give 25 combined touches to Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. They're not going to ask Teddy Bridgewater to take too many shots. They're going to try to set up their shots, especially with fully healthy Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy alongside one another. But they're not going to be a team that tries deliberately to push the pace. You've got a better-than-expected Dallas defense that is top 10 both in total defensive EPA and defensive EPA per play. Like This game, to me, has something like... Cowboys 23, Broncos 10 written all over it. Yeah, and I think there are playable players in this game, but I think it's a, a weaker situation to consider a, a full Cowboys stack for the reasons that you mentioned. I think if you said you got to play one guy in this game, Amari Cooper at 5,700, assuming everything is fine for him on the health front, looks like it will be. He was a limited participant in Thursday's practice to get that hamstring injury. That price makes sense. The target volume, the target share is solid. Dak should go. All signs point to Dak playing. I could be perfectly content to have Amari Cooper as a solo play from this game and to just go ahead and build everything else in my lineup with more correlation. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially if we're talking about CeeDee Lamb potentially taking a step back in this game, like at least at least Amari Cooper, if you're looking for a silver lining with that hamstring, he's been dealing with it all season. So at least he's clearly figured out a way uh, to play with it, to maintain it throughout the week, you know, to maintain it during the game. Like at least he already has that experience under his belt, whereas CeeDee Lamb is dealing with something fresh with that ankle issue. So, you know, could see, could be, you know, we, we, I, we usually go into Cowboys games thinking they're basically on equal footing, maybe CeeDee half a step ahead of Amari Cooper. Maybe this is a week where Amari Cooper is half a step ahead of CeeDee Lamb. Are there any, we haven't really talked about the high-priced guys, DVR. We did ta- ta- mention the, the running backs, but at any other position, are there any guys who you're trying to fit in with their high price tags? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't go aggressive at wide receiver because I felt like there was enough value in that 6K and under range. Uh, I mean, Cooks, I think, was my most expensive receiver in that cash game build at 6,100 because of the two pricey running backs. I know people are into Tyreek Hill because of the way he was used last week. I just wonder if Kansas City gets a big lead. Is this a Daryl Williams game? So I'm not not wild about paying the, the Kansas City tax this week since we, we don't expect that game to play out the way it would have if Rodgers were available. Um, you know, I think the, the problem I'm having with most of the guys sitting in that 7K range is that I just don't see that much surplus production, especially at wide receiver, compared to those cheaper options. People are into DJ Moore this week at 6,400. I think it's an okay spot, but they have quarterback issues in Carolina right now. I, yes, I'm, PJ Walker's probably going to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm surprised that <laughs> DJ Moore, at least based on the Friday midday roster rates from Roto Grinders. He's the most popular receiver right now. I don't think that's going to hold. Um, so that that kind of caught me off guard when I saw that. You know, Debo is up to 7,800. Like, do you really feel good about Debo at that price, even though he's played really well? I, I don't think I do. I don't want to, I don't want to spend nearly 8K on a receiver in San Francisco's offense. That's just kind of a, a fundamental issue more than a Debo specific issue. You know, I just don't, sure, I don't, don't trust how they, they operate. And you've got George Kittle coming back this week. 
Yeah, I mean, if Kittle's back too, that that reshapes the yeah, target distribution yeah, quite a bit. He is back. He is that. That's something that came out on early, just not too long ago on Friday. Awesome. Yeah, I knew he was eligible to return, so I'm glad that uh, they're going to have him back because I've got him in a few season long situations. But yeah, I there just I didn't see a lot of of really high priced guys I liked outside of the running back position this week. I mean, did you have any any inkling to play an expensive quarterback? I know we spent a lot of time yeah. talking about the the cheap backup options, but are you pushing to get? Lamar Jackson out there at 7,300. Are you possibly finding a way to Josh Allen at 8,200 in what should be a, a cakewalk for the Bills going up against Jacksonville? It's exactly those two guys. If I'm going to pay up a quarterback, it's going to be either Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. As you said, the price is Lamar 73, Josh 82. In between the two of them, you find Kyler at 79 and Mahomes at 78. Not interested in them. Kyler's dealing with this injury. Hopkins is dealing with an injury. A.J. Green's on the COVID list. Like, I don't want to mess around with that. That game's only got a total of 45 Cardinals and 49ers. Chiefs could be a Mahomes smash spot easily, but you know he was priced in there with this game being uh, 53 and a half over under and you know ex- assuming Aaron Rodgers was going to be coming back at him I'm just going to stay away from that game probably you take a look though at uh, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson I already talked about why I believe that Vikings and uh, Ravens is going to be the highest scoring game of the week Josh Allen he, these bills don't take the foot off the gas DDR 14 and a half point favorites against the Jaguars and they've played four games this season against total non-contenders they've already had both of their games with the Dolphins they played the Texans they played the football team they beat the Dolphins 35 nothing in 26 11 they beat the football team 43 to 21 they beat Houston 40 to nothing this is a team that just by both design and nature they just don't ever really slow down and and they're not a team that is built to get a 24 nothing lead and then say, let's just give it to Zach Moss 15 times in the second half. This game is over. They're just not that brand of team. That's just not what they do. And it's really not what they can do. It's not what they want to do. So I think that that's a great play. First of all, Bills minus 14 and a half at the Jaguars. And secondly, that could be a game where Josh Allen goes for like 203 in the first half and then is still playing at full capacity in the second half. So that's really where I would try to fit in a high-priced quarterback. I would try to squeeze in Josh Allen at 8,200. Not necessarily my favorite way, but if I'm going to make an argument for paying for a quarterback, that's who it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that totally makes sense. I guess thinking more about the the expensive receivers that were at least passing through my build at one point, I think it was Jamar Chase is where I actually topped mm-hmm. out this week. 7,600 is the price. Hopefully a bounce back week for the Bengals after that disappointing loss that crushed a lot of us in Survivor. But they still scored 31 points. Yeah, they still put plenty of points on the board. You still had plenty of targets going in Chase's direction, right? It was an eight-target game. It was only three for 32 and a score, but the role has been consistently there. The big playability is undeniable at this point. I mean, when you're talking about 13-point floors for this guy and 20-plus, maybe even a 30-point ceiling, that's always appealing. And I guess the question is, like, do you feel good enough about that floor to pay full price to get there with Jamar Chase? I mean, for me, if I was going to play him, I'd have to get rid of one of my two expensive running backs. I could yep. only play one of Eckler or Cook, and I'd have to, you know, find a way to go on probably go to like the I don't know, Eli Mitchell, Devontae Booker range, those those mid five K running backs, Daryl Williams we talked about earlier. You'd play one of those guys instead of the two expensive running backs and you'd go ahead and spend up on one of your mid-5K receivers up to that Jamar Chase level. So that's what you look at, right? It's like, would you rather have Eli Mitchell and Jamar Chase, or would you rather have Dalvin Cook and Brandon Cooks, or Dalvin Cook and Marquise Brown? Like, I love Jamar Chase. I love the argument you make for him. I love the Bengals' offense. I think they cover 2.5 against the Browns this week. 
I still think I'm coming down on the Cook plus receiver side. Yeah, and I came down with Cook and T. Higgins. Uh, I still wanted yeah, that exposure of Cincinnati's still offense because yeah, yeah, Higgins is 5,300. I felt like that was just a little bit better, at least for the cash game build that I was going with right there. But maybe maybe in tournaments, I would spin that around. Maybe I'd find a, a less utilized uh, sub-6K running back and then go ahead and get Chase out there. That might be the, the way I would pivot for a tournament. We will see, DVR, certainly, if this is ultimately Jordan Love week or Tarod Taylor week, because I promise you, <laughs> it's going to be one of them. One of those guys is going to have, not necessarily the QB1 game, but one of those guys is going to have a game that makes people say, yes, absolutely, that was the way to go. How did everyone not see that? It's going to be a fun week. I think it's fun when we have these different quarterbacks mixing in and potentially swinging the slate completely, and that's something that we're going to be watching the rest of the weekend as we build teams, and then obviously on Sunday when the main slate is underway. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. Good luck with all of your team builds. We'll talk to you next week. 